Hello and welcome to another episode of Offbeat Grad. I hope you are having a lovely Thursday and that you're getting stuff done and that February was good to you. I don't know. Is it even February still? I think it's the last day. Anyway, today we are hard pivoting. We are hard pivoting from last week where I talked about all these scams, which I'm still angry about. Thought about ranting about it on Instagram, but have refrained. Anyway, today we're going to talk about something that is also really timely. We're going to talk about taxes for bloggers, for freelancers, basically for anyone who makes money online. I know that this is a topic that scared me. It still scares me. I still have panic attacks about it like every day, but blogging and freelancing and filing your taxes isn't as complicated as it sounds, and so I'm going to try to demystify the process right now and just spell it out for you once and for all so you know the deal and you can make better money decisions because your girl had to pay a lot of money last year and um, she ain't doing it again. So uh, this year I have, I've been filing my own taxes, um, self-employed by myself, I don't use uh, anyone. Um, I've been doing it for three years now, I've had to pay, um, and by have to pay, I mean I owe taxes on income I have earned while making money online, and it's been fine. Like, this year was my first year paying, well, last year, I guess, paying quarterly taxes, which means we pay, um, four times a year, which I'll talk more about in a minute, and it went so well. Like, everything, it scared me, I didn't know what I was doing, I felt like I was just throwing money at the government, which I guess was what I was doing, um, but it worked out. I, I was pretty spot on with what I owed, and I didn't owe any money at the end of the year. I actually ended up getting a refund, which is another story, but Basically, long story short, it wasn't as scary as it sounded, and now, like, I don't really have as much fear about paying quarterly taxes again, and I know what to cover and what not to cover, and I'll just explain it. So, first things first, if you are making money online, you need to claim that tax money. Whoa, that was not English. If you're making money online, whether you're a blogger or a freelancer, selling stuff on Etsy, selling your underwear on Craigslist, whatever you're doing you need to claim that income with the IRS. Oh, fun fact, I need to put some disclaimers before we get into this. First, I am not a CPA, I'm not a tax professional, I have done a lot of tax writing, and I have done a lot of work with CPAs and tax professionals, but I have no training, I am self-taught, I am figuring this out as I go, and I will be talking about taxes to the best of my understanding but if you have any specific questions i would definitely recommend doing more research or talking to a tax professional you can get a consultation something like that if you just need to really specifically hone down your own situation because i'm not a professional please do not sue me please don't come at me if i say something super wrong hopefully i didn't i tried my best to do some good research for this um so yeah, don't attack me. But anyway, I'm not a professional. I'm just reporting my understanding of taxes, which is always changing. Like just last year, there were all these new tax laws and it really changed um, how much I owed and it really changed a lot of the situation. So definitely don't take this as gospel. Take this as a good stepping stone to get like a foundation that you're going to build on with your own research that is specific to your situation. So this also only has to do with the United States. I cannot comment on the tax structure in other countries, that's that's on your own. Also, if you're doing business with people in other countries, which I do frequently, you might encounter some different things. For instance, if the company works abroad, uh, they're probably not going to file a, um, a 1099 MISC for you, so that might not apply to your situation, but we'll talk about it when we get to it. So, yes, I'm not an expert. Also, 
I am only familiar with the U.S. system. And actually, I'm only familiar with the U.S. system in my state, which is Florida. But we will talk about how state taxes work in a second. So, back to the main point. If you're making any money online, you need to claim this as income with the IRS. What will happen if you don't? Probably nothing, but you don't want to be audited. And if you're not prepared, like, you could be out thousands of dollars and tons of penalty fees just for failing to keep track of your taxes. So do yourself a favor and just, like, take care of it now. It's still early in the year. This is the perfect time to get on your taxes for next year, and then we're at tax season for last year. So it's the best time to just take care of everything and make sure you're on the right track so you can all be good. So, how does the IRS define um, income? This is a little confusing because some people either blog and they don't make money from blogging, or they freelance and they're just getting started, or they have some kind of hobby, like a side hustle or whatever, and they might not be doing it specifically to make money, but they might make money on it. The best example of this is like a designer who sells Pinterest graphics or something like that. Well, that sounds like you're making money on it. But someone on Etsy, maybe you're, you crochet or whatever, and you're like, oh, I do this for fun, but yeah, I make money on it. According to the IRS, this is a business. A business is anything you uh, make money with or that you um, are doing with the intention of making money. That means it doesn't matter if you've made no profit or not, but you should claim any income you get. There, There's sometimes a rule that you hear a lot that says, like, if you make under $600, you don't have to claim it. This is not true. If you make any money, you need to put it on your, your taxes. However, if it is under $600, you're probably not going to owe any taxes on it. So don't feel like if you're only making a little bit that the government's going to take all your money because that's not true. Um, you probably won't end up owing anything on it, or if you do, it'll be a very small amount. So I wouldn't be too concerned. But better to be safe than sorry. If you're making money on it or you're doing it with the intention of making money, you need to list this on your income. So, how do you list this on income? There's two different situations that you're going to have when you're filing your taxes. You're either going to do a Schedule C, which is what I do. It's self-employed income. It means if you're a blogger, or if you're a freelancer, this is your self-employed income. You're going to file a Schedule C. Um, for those, you might get a 1099 MISC, which is if you work for a company and you make over $600 with them, they're technically required to send a 1099 MISC, but in my experience, this is not reliable because they either will send it too late or I don't even know, or some of them don't send it at all. Like, I, I don't understand, but they're supposed to, or if they, they're in a different country, they don't have to, or they just won't, um, and no one will do anything. So don't count on getting a 1099 MISC for all of your sources of income. That's why you need to track your own money. If you don't get a 1099 MISC, you can still count this on your income and you could still file your taxes on it as normal. You don't need to wait for it or anything as long as you're keeping accurate track of your payments. But I usually get a mix. Like sometimes I get some, sometimes I don't. Um, I just keep track of my income and I go off of my own records. And then, okay, so the other option if you're not filing a Schedule C is that you are going to list it as your other income on your um, on your, it's called like the 1044, the regular tax form that you're filling out for like your W-2 or whatever else you have, if you have anything else, um, there will be a section on there for other income. This is considered like hobby income. This is where you're going to list it. As I said, if it's small, you can put it there. If it's becoming bigger and you're starting to treat it more like a business, you need to list this on a Schedule C, which is not confusing. Schedule Cs are quite simple. If you use a good tax software or you can work with someone, you could probably even fill it out yourself. It's really not complicated. Um, it seems like it on the outside, but once you look at it, you're like, oh, okay, it's fine. So good to know. That's the two situations there. 
So what exactly is taxed? I see a lot of confusion on this. I see a lot of people doing this wrong. And I personally have done this wrong in the past. So I'm giving you a warning. I've never been audited or anything. I, please don't come audit me now. But I mean, um, I've definitely made mistakes with this. And I think there's a lot of misunderstandings. Especially because blogging is so new and confusing. And you don't always know what counts as income. So let's just break it down now. Anything is income. Anything of value is seen as income. This means if you get a sponsored post and they give you $500 to write the sponsored post, that $500 is income. What else is income? That t-shirt they gave you. The free samples that were, not maybe not samples, but the, the free technology that was mailed to you. That free service you were allowed to use. These have value and they need to be included as income. So if someone sent you a $300... I don't know, notebook, which would be crazy. Um, that $300 notebook counts as income and you need to include it as sponsored product um, that you were given for free. So don't just think because you're given free things in exchange for whatever relationship you have with this company that this is like a free pass to not listing it as your income. It is income. And that's a lot of a lot of confusion around that. It is income. Once and for all, it is. So keep track of those things. I mean, it's going to be difficult, in all honesty, for the IRS to really prove these things. Like, I highly, highly doubt they would ever go after you for, like, getting a free backpack. But for the sake of the law, you are supposed to claim this as income. So throwing that out there. Next, affiliate sales. Like, if you um, refer someone to an app or something and you get... A kickback from that that is considered income even if you get that income in the form of like a gift card because I know I frequently use swag bucks I get a lot of income from them not a lot but some and I usually will get it in the form of like Starbucks gift cards whatever because I, I have a hard time treating myself to these things so if I get it in a gift card I'll actually use it so what I'm saying from this is that $25 Starbucks gift card that is counted as income once again, if it's anything of value, it is income. So free items, affiliate stuff, sponsorships, all of this is income. This is a lot easier to deal with if you're a freelancer because it's usually more cut and dry what, what is included as income. But in the blogging world, if you've been given anything of value, you need to report it as income. Sorry, it sucks. I know. Okay, next rule that we're going to talk about is the quarterly taxes. So I pay quarterly taxes. This is my first year paying quarterly taxes. There's a rule here to tell if you need to pay quarterly taxes, and it is very simple, probably the simplest thing we will talk about today. If you expect to pay over $1,000 in taxes to the government, you need to be filing quarterly taxes. If you don't, and you do end up needing to pay more than this, you will be charged a late fee for not paying the government as you go, which is crappy and you don't need that in your life. So if you're not sure and you are on the fence how much you will be paying, I would tell you to go ahead and pay quarterly taxes because it will never hurt you. It is actually sort of relief to make sure that you're getting these tax payments out of the way and then if you do overpay or if you do end up not owing that much, you will either get that back in a refund or it will level itself out. So you're not going to lose this money as long as you're keeping track of it. So just crunch those numbers. Um, you're going to have to do some math. I know it sucks to see if you're going to owe over $1,000, but you will probably know because... Um, Usually most like beginning bloggers, if you're getting sponsorships and stuff under that amount and they're not like an excessive quantity, then you're probably not going to owe over $1,000 in taxes. But otherwise, you really might. So 
consider that. Just prepare for it. Um, not paying quarterly taxes is a pain because then you actually end up owing more and you don't want that. So when do you pay your taxes? If you're quarterly, you're going to pay four times a year. You're going to pay in April. You're going to pay in, I think, June or July. You're going to pay in October or September, and then you're going to pay one last time before January 15th of the next year. And it sounds confusing because there's only like a 15-day window for most of these. Um, but if you Google like quarterly taxes calendar, it'll break down the little different payment schedules. It's not as confusing as it sounds. And you are going to pay through the EFTPS, which is the Electronic Federal Tax Payment System. Don't be stupid like me. I paid the first one through some random other thing, so question mark about that. But EFTPS is really easy to use. You can even schedule payments if you already know how much you're going to need to pay. And it's pretty simple, so don't be afraid to use it. But First thing you need to do is register for a PID number through the EFTPS service. You don't need any kind of business code. You can do this as a sole proprietor. You're just going to use your social security number. So you have to go on there and apply for this earlier because it takes like a week or so for them. to. They have to physically mail you a card with this number on it. And if you're trying to do this like the day before your taxes are due, you're not going to make it on time. And they say this on the website. So if you expect to need to pay quarterly taxes, you need to get on this right now. I'll include a link to this service in the description for this podcast. It's pretty simple. Don't be <laughs> worried about it. It's very simple to sign up. And then once you actually need to pay, it's literally as simple as going in, entering how much you want to pay, when you want to pay by, and then putting your checking info. That's it. It's done for you. It's going to give you a um, receipt. Save this. Um, but if you log back into the service, it has like a really good downloadable like confirmation of every single past one, which you're going to need when you file taxes for real. So even if you're paying quarterly taxes, you need to file your taxes with everyone else. Uh, when you do your Schedule C and whatever other income you have, you're going to need to do that by April, I think, 25th or whatever it is um, of the next year, like you're filing taxes. Normally, there's a lot of confusion about that because you think, oh, I paid quarterly taxes. I don't need to pay anything else. You might not, but you still need to file taxes. So, and if you don't need to file quarterly taxes, you're just going to file taxes as usual, and then you're going to include that other income or the Schedule C in that, and all hopefully even out. Um, I know that I didn't used to pay quarterly taxes because I was in school and I also was working part-time jobs and a lot of times the overlap there between deductions and um, tuition credit and whatever those other school deductions as well as my W-2 earnings that were taxed at the time, um, it ended up equaling out if not being a little less. So that's how that goes, but you're going to need to figure that out for yourself. So if you're self-employed, here is what you actually need to pay. It is not the same as you are getting taxed if you are at like a regular job. So you actually get taxed more, which is garbage, but it's true. So let's break that down. First, you have to pay your federal income tax. This percentage is based on your income. You can Google it. Um, you also might need to do your state income tax. Um, move to Florida because we don't have that here and it's wonderful. You will also need to do what is known as the self-employment tax, and this is where I get screwed, because when you work for a traditional employer, that employer will cover a percentage of the Social Security and Medicare taxes, but because you work for yourself, you get to pay both. Congratulations! It's not a huge amount, but it sucks that you have to pay both. So, in general, you're going to need to keep this money separate. All of your income is not income for you to keep and use. 
you, I highly, highly recommend keeping your income separate. Keep it in its own bank account. I have a special savings account just for tax money. I do not touch it. Anytime I get any kind of income from my blog or my freelancing and jobs, I only keep a percentage of it and I save around 20% for my taxes. And this is because I have calculated out using an online calculator. The IRS has one. You can Google it right now, like self-employment tax, um, calculator and you'll calculate like based on your location, based on your income, based on how much you're making, etc. Um, how much you can be expected to pay. I would always recommend saving a little bit more just in case and I will keep this money separate. Don't touch it. Just like your regular paycheck you get at your job down the street at the grocery store. Money is taken out of that paycheck. The only difference here is that money is still in your possession so it's up to you to actually keep it safe. So definitely put it somewhere else just in case um, and then pay it for quarterly or then pay it at the end of the year. Just saying. Next Oh, another fun fact, if you do have a traditional 9-to-5 job while you are working for yourself, you can actually change your withholdings on that 9-to-5 job through your HR or whatever to take more out of your income, which can be great because this can actually like sort of balance it out. So you'll get less from that paycheck, but you will probably won't need to pay as much in your own self-employment taxes, but you're going to need to do that math for yourself, which can be a bit tricky and it might be worth talking to a tax professional to get that right. But it's a good idea. Like, if I had a traditional job right now, that would be something I would consider because it would really make it a lot stressful because you don't have to keep track of your own money and you know it's already gone to the government. So, fun facts. All right, now on to the legit stuff. (laughs) I have so much to say about taxes. I did not know I was so passionate about this. Um, Now let's do six steps. I've written down six steps to paying your taxes. Just simple steps. First one, you need to track all of your income and expenses. Like I said, you're not always going to get a 1099 MISC. This isn't like your real job, real job, quote unquote, where you get a W-2. Like no one is going to keep track of how much you're earning, so you need to do it for yourself. You can use a fancy software like QuickBooks does it for you, but I think it's like $15 a month and I don't need that. What I use is Google Sheets because I'm pretty simple. I have a whole list of all my income like organized by type. And then I put the date I got it, where it's from, how much it is, etc. Like that kind of thing. I just list it all out. List it all out. Another idea for this is to use, oh, this is my step two. Use a dedicated account or credit card for your business expenses and income. And what I mean here is it's really tempting to mix your personal and business money. It's when you're a sole proprietor because you're just like, it's all the same, right? Yes, it is, but then when you go back, like, what I do is I'll sit down every few weeks and I'll go through my expenses and write them on this big master list I have and my um, income, and if I have to go through my personal account, like, this is going to take me forever and it's going to be such a mess and it's not going to be organized and it's just not ideal. So what I do is I use my PayPal exclusively for business income and expenses. So then when I look at my PayPal statement, it will show me... Um, all of the stuff I paid, all of the stuff that was paid to me, and then I can easily transfer this. Um, Another idea is to get a business credit card that you only use for business income and expenses. Not a credit card, you can't use that for income, but that you could use it for, um, you could use a credit and and a checking account, whatever. You can get a business account pretty simply, even if you're a sole proprietor. It's a great idea if you want to keep your expenses and income separate. Next, number three, separate your taxes. So, As soon as you get that payment from wherever, even if it's $10 to, like, I don't know, Starbucks, you need to put a percentage of it aside. 
So if it's $10 to Starbucks, you're going to have to take that money out of your own account, which sucks, but it's better to do it now. Um, you're going to need to do the math here. Like I said, you need to know the percentage. It's safe to say it will be between 15 and 30%. 30% would be the high end. It's probably going to be near 15 or somewhere in the middle, depending if you have state income tax. And you just need to put that money away. That money doesn't belong to you. It's so much better to think of that money of never being yours in the first place because it hurts to see it go, but you just have to. Next, number four, submit any forms for contractors. So this is specific to if you hire someone to work with you, like if you hire a freelancer, if you hire a designer or something like that, someone who you're paying on a regular hourly basis, not really someone you're paying for like a one-off situation, but I, the rule is if you pay them more than $600. Um, so if you're just paying someone like once to do, I don't know, some small task and it costs 20 bucks, you don't need to do this. But if they worked on a project that's over like $600 or you worked with them on an ongoing basis, you need to file a 1099 MISC form, which is another income form. You can do this through free tax software. TurboTax has one that it's so easy to use. You can also use free tax USA, which I really, really recommend because it's free for self-employed or anyone. And it's very simple. You can fill it out with them and it's really easy. It'll take two seconds. So just remember to do that when you're filing taxes, if you do have contractors. So you want to keep track of that income too. Five, pay quarterly taxes. This is self-explanatory. Um, it sucks, but just be aware of the dates. I, at the beginning of every year, I write them down on my calendar so that I know when I need to be prepared for these quarterly tax payments so they're not a surprise. But I keep all my money separate, so it doesn't even matter. It's always right there. Then six, you need to file your taxes with your deductions. So deductions are magical. Basically, most expenses that you incur for your business or freelancing or blogging or whatever, you can deduct. This counts. This counts. This includes any hobby income. So if you're doing like, like I said, the crocheting thing, even if you don't consider that a business, you likely have some expenses along with doing that, like materials or whatever. And you can deduct these. So now I'm gonna list list. Um, nine different tax deductions that are particularly useful for bloggers or freelancers. And you should take these seriously. I deduct so many things, like so many things, and it really helps me get some of my money back and not feel like I'm throwing money away. So first, you can deduct any hosting fees, any web fees. So if you're paying to host your website professionally, which you should be, if you are paying for your domain name, if you have any add-ons, anything like that, you can deduct it. Next, software or subscriptions. So I use Grammarly, I use Adobe Creative Cloud. All of these subscriptions are tax deductible as a software expense. Next, computers, cameras, basically any tech equipment that you use exclusively for your business. So the caveat here is that you can't buy a laptop that you use for playing The Sims, doing your homework, and also blogging sometimes. It needs to be pretty much at least 100%. Um, you could definitely get away with it not being 100%, but I mean, it should be predominantly used for your business. This has to be a real business expense, not just a, oh, I needed a new laptop because I felt like it for my... Pinteresting, unless that's part of your business plan. So keep that in mind. Um, next, desk, chairs, office equipment, all of that stuff. Um, if you're furnishing your home office or you just like need to buy some equipment for your own office area, that counts. Next, office supplies. I love office supplies. So if you buy any pens, any planners, um, a keyboard, I don't know, I guess I sort of counted under tech, um, stuff like that that you generally use with your business. This counts. 
Next, the home office. So if there's a space in your home that you use exclusively for business, it doesn't have to be an actual physical office. It can be like a corner of your bedroom, which is what mine is. You can deduct this. So usually you end up just doing the standard home office deduction, which is around $120 a year. Um, But free money, so do it. Next, advertising or design services. If you pay to advertise through Facebook or you buy listings on, I don't know, websites, you can deduct this expense. Next, travel. This is a great one. So if you drive for your business, like if you're a freelancer and you drive to meet clients or you drive to projects or if you're a blogger and you you drive to promotional events, this counts. Count these miles. There's a lot of great apps you can do that will count the miles and you get a certain um, kickback per mile. So that's great. Also, conferences. If you're going to any industry conferences, you can deduct this as an expense. Um, Same with... um, dinners you eat while you're traveling for business, things like that. So definitely look closer into the travel caveat. It's a confusing little category, but there's a lot of things you can deduct and it could really make it so much easier to travel for your business, which can be great. And then finally, miscellaneous. Basically, any expense that is reasonable that you are making for your business counts as tax deductible. So you need to itemize the deductions, so you need to keep track of them in your, however you're doing that. Um, You'll have to end up listing them all out, which is fun and takes forever, but it's really useful and you'll get a lot of money back and that's such a relief. So don't feel like you just have to dump all of your income to the IRS because it's not true. Um, It's a lot more reasonable than it sounds. You just have to figure it out as you go a bit. It's You're going to make mistakes and it's going to be okay. Uh, you won't get audited. And even if you do, it's it's really not the end of the world. Um, it's pretty easy. You can definitely make it work. I That sounds horrible, but I used to work at a place that worked for, um, or we did a lot of work for, different um, IRS attorneys. So basically, if you had an issue with the IRS and you didn't want to deal with it on your own, you could hire someone to do it for you. And it's surprisingly easy to negotiate and um, solve the problem. Like, they're usually willing to work with you. It's not this scary situation. So I used to be so afraid of, like, the IRS contacting me. And I don't mean contacting me like those weird spam calls, but, like, that they were going to call me out and be like, oh, she owes this, 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 and I was going to be destitute or go to jail. Like, this is not the real-life situation. Um, At best, I would just prove my income or I would just um, make a payment schedule. Like, it would be okay. So what I'm saying here is just don't be terrified of the IRS. It's not as scary as it sounds. Um, I feel like it's painted out to be this really intimidating system that's so hard to use and that's why you have to use all this fancy software and hire all these people to like just do your taxes it's not true as long as you just sit down figure it out do your best you're gonna be fine um that's it (laughs) so this was my exciting episode all about taxes I hope I don't sound too sick but I am a little bit sick um probably because I had to do my taxes. But no, I filed my taxes a few weeks ago and it is such a relief. And I'm so excited to file my taxes next year. No, I'm not. But I am excited to share this with you and hopefully it helped you a little bit. I know that I'm rambling and confusing, but taxes are really important and I think there's so much confusion about them with bloggers and freelancers. And I've even met people who didn't want to try blogging or freelancing because they were so intimidated by doing their own taxes. And I get it, like, it's confusing. I was there. But it's really not impossible. And filing taxes when you're employed is also confusing. So I don't know, it felt like the same level of confusing to me. 
but that's a personal opinion. So hopefully this helped you a bit. I am going to go do more work so I can make more money so I can pay the IRS. <laughs> and that's it for today. So I'll see you next week. I hope you have a great productive Thursday and goodbye.